You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Welcome to the mighty metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in and for participating in our Sunday worship service. Much love and aloha to our San Francisco family, our friends throughout the world, and of course, our Metro family. We are continuing our sermon series called Things Jesus Taught. And I hope you have been encouraged by that, that we're looking in the Bible with, about all the different things that Jesus taught. Let's start with a prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We pray that your spirit would work through not only in the world, but through our lives as, as we live our lives today and that we could put into practice our faith and express love to a lost world, to one another, to our families. Uh, bless our Bible study today as we talk about an important topic, important topic as we take our world missions collection. Bless our collection that we take up, that it would go toward the, the benefiting of many people's lives, not only the saving of their lives so that they one day could go to heaven, but also their physical lives now would get better and better. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. I have a question. If I had, if I, if you had to take a guess at the topic Jesus taught most on in the Gospels, what would that be? If you had to take a guess, what is the, the, the topic that Jesus taught most on, what would you say? Perhaps you'd say love or grace, maybe compassion, helping the poor, evangelizing the world, even salvation or, or, or perhaps the cross. And all those things would be true. He definitely taught on those things. But scholars say what he taught most on was the kingdom of God. God's reign and his rule breaking into the present and, and interrupting, disrupting the world in which he lived in uh, to produce radical dramatic change for the better in people's lives. And so today, we are taking up our annual World Missions Collection. The monies we receive will go to churches we support in five areas of the world to advance the work of the gospel. In light of this, one of the things Jesus taught on was kingdom generosity, that God was ushering his kingdom and there would be a true spiritual government, not with allegiances to the left or to the right or Democrat or Republican, or those, those, those things can be good, but to a king. With upside down principles, kingdom ethics, kingdom economics, and the kingdom way of being in the world. And so our lesson today is entitled Kingdom Generosity. I want to start by showing a video by the Bible Project called Generosity, and it's about the generosity of God. Enjoy. Imagine your friend invites you to a party. You arrive and there's lots of people, decorations, food and drink. There's enough for everyone. When you're hosted by someone that generous, you don't have to worry about your needs. You can just enjoy yourself and focus on the people around you. Yeah, that's what a good host wants for her guests. And this is the picture of the world that we find in the Bible. Creation is an expression of God's generous love. He's the host and humans are his guests in a world of opportunity and abundance. And we're called to keep the party going, to spread his goodness. This is a beautiful picture. But... It's not the way people experience the world. Rather, we find a world of scarcity and struggle, not abundance. 
And Jesus grew up in that kind of world. Under military occupation, people losing their land or families to debt and poverty. And yet, he would say things like this. Look at the birds. They don't store up food for themselves, yet they have enough. Or consider the wildflowers. They're beautiful and abundant, and they don't stress about their existence. And you all should live that way, too. But surely Jesus knew that things don't always work out. I mean, sometimes there really isn't enough. And Jesus did experience poverty firsthand, but he viewed the world through the story of the Hebrew scriptures, which claimed that our scarcity problem isn't caused by a lack of resources. Rather, the problem is our mindset that God can't be trusted. Maybe God's holding out on me. Maybe there isn't enough, and maybe I need to take matters into my own hands. And once we're deceived into that mindset of scarcity, we can justify the impulse to take care of me and mine before anyone else. And that leads to envy and anger, violence, and a world where it seems like there's not enough. The party's over. It's turned into a battleground. But God wants humans to experience his generosity. And so he chooses one people, the family of Abraham. And he promises to give them the abundance that he wants for everybody else. God will provide what they need. All they have to do is trust his generosity. And through them, the whole world will see how generous the host really is. But that's not what happens. Abraham's descendants, the Israelites, enter a land of abundance, and they promptly forget the host who gave it to them. They act like it's all theirs, and like there's not enough. And it leads to war and Israel's self-destruction. If I were the host of this party, I think I'd just give up. But God doesn't give up. What he does is surprising. He gives another gift. Another gift? Yeah, but this gift is different. What God gives is himself. All right, and Jesus, the host himself, comes to join in on the spoil party. And notice, Jesus lives with the conviction that there is enough and that our generous host can be trusted. His mindset of abundance allowed him to live sacrificially and generously even towards his enemies. And Jesus called his followers to trust in God's abundance like him. And that's why he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the poor, or don't worry about your life. He's inviting us to live by a different story, one that is built on trust in God's goodness and love. But living generously doesn't mean life is going to go well. I mean, look at Jesus. He was betrayed by his friends and he suffered. And this was no surprise to Jesus. He knew that people would take advantage of his generosity. In fact, that was his plan. Really? Yeah, think about it. Jesus knows that we're all hopelessly deceived by this lie that there's not enough. Yeah, that lie needs to be defeated. And so that's what Jesus was doing when he gave us the gift of his life. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of God's generous love. Yeah, God's love can turn death into life. And scarcity back into abundance. Or as the Apostle Paul put it, you know the gift of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, that even though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And Jesus called his followers to live like the real party has begun. Yes, he called it the kingdom of God. And our invitation to this party is yet another gift, the personal presence of God's own spirit that can teach us how to trust the generosity of the host, just like Jesus did. Yeah, and when you believe there's enough, you start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time and money, our attention. Yes, one of the most important ways that we can experience the abundance of God's new creation 
is sharing with others because of our trust that God is the generous host. I hope you were encouraged by just how generous God really is. His generosity changes our lives for the better. Today, we're going to talk about how God's generosity changes lives spiritually and physically, not only for the future, but for today as well. His generosity affects our lives in profound ways. Ways. I want you to think of John 3.16, perhaps one of the most widely known scriptures ever. And John says, For God so loved the world, this is in the NIV translation, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, Jesus taught his disciples just how generous God's love really was, that God made one huge sacrifice that would change our spiritual destinies forever. You know, he taught God loved us so much that we could one day experience salvation. Are you grateful for your salvation, for your eternal life this morning if you're a disciple of Jesus? God loved us so much, he would go to great lengths, perhaps extreme lengths, to show us his generous love. What's profound about this passage is God did this, you know, giving up his only son, knowing you and I might never ever acknowledge or appreciate his sacrifice. It's one thing if he made this sacrifice, knowing everyone would acknowledge or appreciate his sacrifice, that everyone would knee would bow right before him and follow him. But that's not the case. He did this knowing you and I might never ever acknowledge or appreciate his sacrifice and not follow him. And he did it anyway. That's God, that's God being all in, that God would risk it all. That's God's heart. Wow. When people experience his generous love shown by his huge sacrifice, they often make huge sacrifices knowing full well people may not ever acknowledge or appreciate their sacrifice as well. I want you to think back to 1989 for a minute, okay? Think back to 1989. That's, uh, you know, what were you doing in 1989? I tell you what I was doing. I was a sophomore in college in 1989. One gallon of gas in 89 cost 97 cents. One gallon of gas. Can you believe that? The average house cost $120,000. The average income was $27,400 in 1989. George H.W. Bush was the president. The Cold War just ended. The Berlin Wall came down. But in Boston, in 1989, in the Boston Church of Christ, disciples who appreciated God's generous love uh, sacrificed financially so others' lives could experience salvation or eternal life the way they got to experience it. Just like God gave one contribution, made one sacrifice, they gave one contribution and sacrificed financially. So mission teams made up of people you never knew would uproot their lives and go to a place they've never been to to spread God's love and preach the good news, knowing full well people like you or myself may may never ever appreciate or acknowledge their sacrifice. In 1989, teams were sent out to Seattle, Washington, 
Washington, D.C., Bangkok, Thailand, Honolulu, Hawaii, where I'm from, Manila, Philippines. Some of you in the fellowship are from Manila, you know, as well as Los Angeles, California. In 1989, from the Boston church, these churches were planted that year. If you became a Christian in the Philippines or in Honolulu or in L.A., your salvation is the direct result of people you never knew who made one sacrifice for God and for you. Think about that for a minute. 50 people came to LA, 25 from Boston, 13 from San Francisco. Many of you know who Darius Simmons is, right? Darius came from San Francisco, you know, and 12 also came from San Diego. Valerie Varie came from San Diego. We know her as Valerie Sumogi, right? Here is the pit. Here's a picture of the team sent to Hawaii from Boston in 1989. It's personal for me because my salvation is a direct result of people understanding God's love and the sacrifice God made for it, uh, giving his only son, and that they saw that and made a sacrifice themselves. I wasn't in the church yet in 1989, you know, like when the team came to Hawaii, I wasn't in the church back then. And this is the team. This is only a part of the team because I can't find another picture. But this is a team. We had 21 disciples from Boston come to Hawaii to plant the mission team. Back then it was called, it wasn't called the Oahu Church of Christ. It was, I believe it was called the Central Honolulu Church of Christ. The Central Honolulu Church of Christ. And this was the mission team that came to Hawaii from Boston. One scripture God's generosity led to salvation and the changing of people's futures forever. And I am eternally grateful for their sacrifice. Not only God's, but the fact that disciples saw that and then chose to make a sacrifice financially and and the saving of many souls happened all throughout the world. If you were converted in Honolulu, it's a direct result of that contribution. Obviously, God is moving in all of that. If In LA, think about LA, right? We're the largest church in our ICOC tradition. Uh, So many souls were saved because people made sacrifices. These people you may not have ever known. And yet God's generosity shines through in his sacrifice of his son. And disciples saw that and also was were willing to sacrifice. And it changed the eternal destinies for thousands of people's lives. Let's look at Jesus for a second. We just got a chance to see God's heart in this and his generosity. In 1 John 3.16, John says, through 17, it says, This is how we really, this is how we have discovered love's reality. And this is the Passion Translation. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? What a scripture that John shows us in the Passage passage Translation. In, in 1 John 3.16, John says that Jesus loved us so much that he sacrificed his life. God sacrificed his son. Jesus sacrificed his life. You get to see his generosity, his generous love for us. He too loved us so much. Same heart like his father. Of course it is though, right? He too made one sacrifice knowing full well 
that you and I might not ever acknowledge or appreciate his sacrifice. And he did it anyway. That's how much he loves you and I. And this is what today is about, world missions. It's not about just giving money. If you think today is all about just money, you're missing the point and the heart behind why we do a world missions collection. It's about love. It's about not just love, but a generous type of love that doesn't expect anything in return. And and God makes that sacrifice Jesus makes that sacrifice. It's about making one sacrifice so others may benefit. It's about laying your life down according to this passage. And for some folks, they literally move to a new place, new job, new culture, new people, new city for God, but also so they could meet the needs of people they don't know. They had the love of God in them. It's not just about money that they gave. They gave their time their resources, their skills, their friendship. They made extreme sacrifices. For many of them, they didn't, for many of them who had kids like that, their, their, you know, their grandparents didn't get to see their kids. Like there's so many sacrifices that went on. So the gospel, gospel could go to different parts of the world in our congregation. And, and it's amazing, you know, but we get to see Jesus's sacrifice. It's about the spirit of giving gener- generously so the gospel gospel can be spread in a place perhaps you and I may never go to a people you may never meet that will ultimately benefit their lives not only forever but in the here and now you know Darius Simmons was 18 years old when he gave up Cal Berkeley in San Francisco where he was going to school to come to LA and he ended up graduating from UCLA. But I want to show you a picture of Darius at 18 years old, dad. 18 years old. This is a picture of Darius in 1989 as part of the team coming to LA. He's on the top right of your screen right there. That is brother Darius Simmons. In 1989, there's a few others over here. There's a there's a, a couple in there, uh, uh, Curtis and Lynn Kahn, who discipled Grace and I when they were in Hawaii for a period of time in in the uh, early 90s. And Willie Flores is in that picture. I mean, it brings back so many me- memories. But but Darius was just 18 years old when he went on a mission team. Right, he was at the most two months old spiritually. Are you kidding me? It's not like he was two years old in the Lord when he went on a mission team. He was two months. Like he literally wasn't even dry dry yet from coming out of the baptistry before he went on a mission team to come to LA. What a huge move that must have been for him to leave Cal Berkeley and, and, and San Francisco where he was at to come out here in LA to a new culture, new people, new place, new food, new friends, new everything, right? Was so new to him. And I, I appreciate that kind of faith. And he's in our fellowship in Metro LA. Another person who was on the mission team here to LA is in our region too. And her name is Valerie Varee. And, and I have a picture, you know, uh, in 1990, I believe, one year after the team came here, I believe this is a picture that uh, with her and her late husband, Larry, the uh, in this picture, I don't believe they were married yet, but uh, standing, look at this picture. This is, and Valerie's in the middle right there. 
for for many of us, this is dear, near and dear to our hearts in Metro LA. Uh, look, look, that that is her her you know her husband who ended up passing away, Larry Samogi, brother in the Lord, disciple of Jesus. We also know who's on the left right there, right? Jacob and Susan Esperanto back 31 years ago, basically, as young Christians. They're currently training for the eldership right now, uh, you know, in Metro L.A. I just want to sit on that picture for a minute and just soak it all in, man. The, the, the joy of being young. And look at these awesome disciples right here. It is amazing. Age had nothing to do with them laying down their lives. They saw God's sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, and they sacrificed. Can we continue to do this? Absolutely we can. You're more empowered than you may realize. We looked at God's heart, we looked at Jesus' heart, but let's also look at the Holy Spirit. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Paul tells Timothy, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love, and self-discipline. Look at the Spirit's role in our life. The Spirit will give us life, basically. Will give us power, love, and the ability to be self-disciplined. You and I are more empowered by the Holy Spirit than we realize. Wow, that's amazing, right? What, 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 how, what kind of sacrifice God's made, Jesus made, but look at, look at the Holy Spirit. We are so empowered to live unique lives separate lives, distinct lives uh, that can make a difference for God. Well, what about the early church in the first century? What kind of giving did they have? In the early church, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 45, in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it says they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. They were generous as well. Of course they were though, right? They valued meeting needs because their needs were met so much so they sold their own possessions and property. Now, when I talk about this, guys, this is not a command. This isn't this passage in Acts 2 isn't commanding the church to give up their possessions, give up their property. There are other places where Jesus calls his disciples to give everything up like that. Right? This is not a command. This just shows us what the early church was like, what their devotion was like, what their love was like, what their faith was like. And in a church of 3,000 people, you know, the, the needs were met internally in the church because people understood that the saving of their soul meant that they're also there to help extend the hand and love and faith and devotion to others so that their needs could be met and involve the saving of their souls as well. But the church took care of itself. And that's what I love. Many people sold different things. You know, my wife sold her wedding ring when, when she was a young Christian. I sold, when I came to church, I used to, I, I was a fisherman and I had all these prized fishing poles that I would not let anybody, like if you wanted to use my fishing pole, I, I would have told you no back then and probably need to get some discipling on it. But hey man, you know, uh, it was my thing, man. I love to fish. I had, I spent thousands of dollars on, on fishing gear and stuff. And, and that's just something I did. I love to do. I still love to do it, but we sold all these things. So all, all of my peers sold so many different things to be able to give to the mission basically. Why? Because we all had a vision and dream of seeing the world evangelized, you know, in, in our lifetime. And it was a very exciting time. I was talking to Doug Weber the other day. I just called Doug because Doug was one of the Doug and Joanne were in Boston when they gave a special contribution that that 
that uh, what that helped teams be sent out to LA and to Hawaii. And I thank Doug personally, you know, for it because I just thought, wow, I'm, I'm amongst you know brothers and sisters who have been around for quite some time and and looked at giving is such a privilege, you know, like, wow, we get to see the guy. And it was an exciting time for many people. There's there's people in our fellowship that have, that I think Teresa Tolentino, who came from Colorado, you know, I think this is probably her 43rd, 40, 41st, 42nd, 43rd special contribution she's probably giving, a world missions contribution. Think about that for a minute. There's, there's people who have sacrificed. And I'm not sharing that so that people can go, ooh, ah, make it about self. I'm sharing that because it just inspires me about the type of devotion. Last week, Robert talked about putting things into practice. That's the real deal. People have, have given up, you know, a lot of things so that the gospel can be advanced and, and that the word can be preached and people can be sent places to that where the gospel isn't, right? I mean, there's so... Or was it? And it's such a powerful thing. So if we see God's sacrifice, his generosity, Jesus' generosity, the Spirit's generosity that empowers us to live godly, unique lives. We see the early church's generosity where they sold things and they gave to one another to 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 take care of their own, to take care of the church, to, to make sure all the needs are met. I mean, that's powerful. Well, what's the practical we can learn for us to consider today? Here's the practical. Sharing is caring. T- t- tell, tell your neighbor that. Sharing is caring. We teach our kids this, right? Sharing is caring. What's yours is mine. Uh, you know, what you have belongs to me and vice versa. Uh, it's so awesome, this point, that sharing is caring. Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 32 to 36 in the early church, here's a, here's a prime example of sharing is caring. All the believers, Luke records this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own. Anybody got a new car? You know, I'm sitting in the uh, this uh, Studio A right now, and I see some nice uh, new, brand new bikes over here. I believe Turnwell bought a nice bike right there. That's mine. <laughs> You know, he doesn't claim that this is just his own. That, that's ours, guys. We can use Turnwell's beautiful bike right there, you know. And <laughs> Turnwell's sitting right across from me, by the way. But he's learning this as as he speaks right now. But what a beautiful bike that I have right here. In fact, I have two. This is awesome. I, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Why? Because sharing is caring. With great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. By the way, the church was about 5,000 men at the time. There were no needy persons among 5,000 men. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, we know about a Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Sharing is caring. (laughs) And it's so awesome, right? Like that's, That's the spirit of the early church is that sharing was caring. What I have is yours. What you have is mine. Anybody got a new car? Anybody bought a new car in 2021? That's ours. We can share it together. It's awesome. (laughs) 
you know, somebody just got a new home. That's ours. We all get it's a kingdom house. That's fantastic. As, and as I joke about this, at the same time, that is the spirit, right? Is that we're, we 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 love God, we love Jesus, we understand the spirit's role in our life. We see what the early disciples did that we don't value just things of this world. The valuing someone's soul more important than valuing just our own possessions, right? Whether somebody gets an opportunity to study the Bible is what we value more than just the stuff that we have. Because that stuff isn't what we get to take with us to heaven. I've met a modern day Barnabas. And I always share this in special, you know, when we take up our world missions. Because I never want to forget myself. I met a modern day Barnabas who sold his house to give to missions. He was in Boston at that time, and he sold his house so that teams could be sent out. You are the recipient of his sacrifice. Again, this is not a command. I'm not calling the church. You got to say, that's not what this is talking about. It just shows you the spirit of generosity that the early disciples have. And it says from time to time. So it doesn't mean like everybody did it. We all got to do it. This is the only way to do it. From time to time, people did specific acts of faith and love that were there to meet the needs of the communal church at that time. You know, and, and a brother that I met, you know, he gave a gift uh, back in Boston and it went toward, the monies went toward planting all these churches. And what a gift he gave. I met him, I became a Christian in 1992 and I met him eight years after I became a Christian in San Francisco when I was training in the church in San Francisco to come back to lead the church in Hawaii. And when I met him, I just thanked him. I met him at a devotional. And I met him at a special missions devotional, actually. And somebody was sharing about him. And I remember that story of, of someone telling that some people sold homes in Boston. And I would sit back in Hawaii and go, man, one day when I get to heaven, I, I hope I meet one of the guys that gave gave up their house and sold their house. And the proceeds was just like the New Testament church that they put it at the leader's feet and, and they distributed to meet needs. Why well, did? Here's the guy. His name is Walter Kotkowski. He served in the church in Boston. He served in Honolulu. Uh, not Honolulu. He served in San Francisco, and that's where I met him in San Francisco. I believe he served in Hope Worldwide as well. And I used to meet this bro. I I get teary eyed every time, man. Every time I do because sacrifices like that go toward. Our lives change because of it. You know, our destinies not only change for the future, the hope of heaven one day, but today changes as well. I'm the recipient of this and I never want to be ungrateful. I never want to forget the sacrifice of God, Jesus, the spirit, the early church, but also modern day disciples, you know, who have done that. You may not be able to sacrifice like that or, or, or you know, do something like that. And that's okay. All sacrifice matters to God, right? The widow gave what she gave was not, didn't even equal like to a cent. And it got Jesus' attention because what matters in giving is about the heart. It's about sharing is caring. In Hebrews chapter 13 and 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continue to offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For such sacrifice, God is pleased. You want to know what gets God going, what gets his heart moving, what, what makes him feel pleasure, what makes him feel joy and love, and, and just pleasing to him is when 
people share because it's about caring. You know, people share their what they have with others. And it's such a pleasing thing to God. You know, this year, my grandfather uh, on my dad's side passed away and I was pretty sad and down. And I came home from Hawaii vac- vacationing with the family. And, you know, to encourage me, I came home to dinner and there was a a, a, a meal that the mature sisters gave to my fa- me and my family. Grace showed me and I came home. She was like, honey, there's a meal for us from from the mature sisters because they knew that we were hurting and you know and 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 i i just appreciated that these these are the mature sisters i think i'm missing bonnie in here i couldn't find a picture with her you know but those are the pictures of the mature sisters just you know just sharing his just having a little sharing a little bit right and and giving they didn't have to do it you know i'm taken care of very well in the church and and but you know they showed their love and their faith for me and my family as we it was a downtime i uh you know i'm i'm just figuring out how do how do i live you know without my grandfather and he and he's been the patriarch of our family and this was our meal you know <laughs> i'm salivating right now about this meal best meal ever though best meal ever and I want to thank the mature sisters and, and all those who prayed for me. And maybe you didn't give me a meal, but you gave me, you know, a text or an email or a card. I, I don't want to leave that out either because all sacrifice matters, right? All gifts matter. And it was just amazing. I want to thank the mature sisters in that. Thank you so much for just reaching out and in us at a downtime for Grace and I and my family. They met, a, they met a need in my life. Their one meal fed me physically. But more so fed me spiritually because it made me think of God and Jesus and the kingdom of God and how great it is to be in the kingdom of God and to be able to to serve these amazing women. That was the best El Pollo local meal ever in my life. And so what did we learn today? Our series is about things Jesus taught. Our lesson is about kingdom generosity. We learned about God's generosity. He gave up his son. We learned about Jesus' generosity he gave up his life. We learned about the early church's generosity, right? That they sacrificed so that others' lives could benefit. And we, we understand the Spirit's generosity where he empowers us in our lives. The early church gave generously their time, their resources, their friendship. And so what's the practical today? Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. And because of God's generosity, Jesus' generosity, the Spirit's generosity, the early church's generosity, and disciples' generosity, thank you for, for giving for years. Thank you for just making contributions to God, to the church, so that the many other lives could benefit from that. You know, all this kind of kingdom generosity not only gave me the opportunity to go to heaven and study the Bible and go to heaven, but to have a life, family, career, friends, and church now. This is my family now. <laughs> because of the because of kingdom generosity. And I'm eternally grateful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Have a great afternoon. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.